This is Dr. Chad Edwards, and you are listening to podcast number 87 of Against the Grain. We are finally back after a little bit of a break. We've had a lot of stuff going on, and we have not been able to get through the podcast as much as we would like, but I am back today with Diana. How are you today? I'm wonderful. It's good to be back. Finally? Yes. (laughs) Well, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot that we want to get out, uh, a lot that we've been working on, and we've had uh, several things that we've been dealing with, and we're trying to move our clinic and all kinds of things. So we've just had a lot on our plate, but we are getting back to it. So today, our hot topic, what are we talking about today, Diana? Uh, today we're going to talk about flaxseed oil, and we're going to talk about why it's bad. Wait, flaxseed oil is bad? I know. But there's so many people that take flaxseed oil thinking it's a good thing. Loaded with omega-3s, people will often turn to this type of oil to get their omega-3s because they're afraid of the fish oil, um, mercury contamination, different things like that. So they'll go to flaxseed oil, but I'm anxious to hear why we should not do that today. Yeah, so let me be clear that when we talk about omega-3s and flaxseed oil, we are talking about flaxseed oil, not flaxseeds. I think it's completely fine and acceptable and probably even a good thing to take flax seeds. I am just not really in favor of flaxseed oil. Now, I will say also that I've had some patients that were on flaxseed oil, and we measure the omega-3 level, either by an omega check or omega-3 index, uh, in lab work in our clinic. And many of those patients are doing really well, and they have good levels of the omega-3s that we really want. So... Every now and then, we will see someone that's doing very well from that perspective. However, there are definitely, uh, for the most part, I recommend against taking flaxseed oil. So we'll talk a little bit about, uh, let's start about what what omega-3s are and what's the difference between the three different fatty acids that we're going to talk about. So the first Omega-3 fatty acid that we're going to talk about is the alpha-linolenic acid, or what you would see from flaxseed, uh, flaxseed oil. And it's the plant form of the omega-3s. The difference between it and the other two that we're getting ready to mention is that uh, alpha-linolenic acid, or ALA, not to be confused with alpha-lipoic acid, um, which is completely different, this is an 18-carbon fatty acid. So what does that mean? Well, the fatty acids are named by convention. There's a way that we name them, and these fatty acids are series of carbons linked together and then with a bunch of hydrogens and some other chemicals like oxygen and, and some other things um, you know, as needed. Um, so these, these hydrocarbon chains, these fatty acids, are named by whether they're saturated or unsaturated, and if they're unsaturated, are they uh, polyunsaturated or monounsaturated? And what we're talking about here are polyunsaturated fatty acids. And what that means is that they do not have the maximum number of carbon, or I'm sorry, hydrogens attached to that fatty acid chain. So you'll end up getting what are called double bonds. And these double bonds, you know, because of the structure, the biochemistry of it, uh, the way this works that it will put a kink in you know if you got these carbon linked to carbon to carbon to carbon to carbon and in the ALA's case it's 18 carbons long and 
if it were saturated, then it just kind of has this zigzag pattern that goes all the way across. When it's unsaturated, it causes a kink in the chain. So it's not this straight tail. And that also plays a role when it gets into trans fatty acids, which will be a, another podcast altogether. But uh, the trans fatty acids are bad because it doesn't put that kink in it, uh, kind of maintains that straight structure. But the alpha lipoic, or I'm sorry, alpha linolenic acid, or ALA, is an 18 carbon omega 3. So, what is the omega 3? So, and again, that's a polyunsaturated fatty acid. So, what does omega 3 mean? The omega 3 means that there is a double bond because we talked about it being unsaturated, there's a double bond, three carbons away from the end. That end or the terminal carbon is considered the omega carbon. And so we go back three carbons, and there's a double bond in that space, and it makes it an omega-3. The other fatty acids that we often talk about are omega-6s. So and does that mean that there will be six from the end? That's You got it. Yes. Man, it's almost like you're paying attention. I am. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's a great point, and it's going to be six from the end, and that's one of the things that differentiates omega-3s from omega-6s. So now we got some kind of terminology out of the way. Uh, it's, it's best if you can pull it up and look at a picture, and I may try and put that in the, in the show notes so that you can kind of get an idea what this stuff looks like. So the alpha-linolenic acid um, is an 18-carbon omega-3 fatty acid, but the other piece about this is it's actually considered an essential fatty acid. Do you know what essential means? Mm, that I need it. Yes, exactly. Well, sort of. We don't actually need the alpha-linolenic acid, but the nutritional experts say that we have to have intake of this ALA, or it's considered an essential fatty acid, and as opposed to EPA and DHA, which are not considered essential. So even though your body doesn't really use the ALA form, it can convert from ALA into the forms that you do need, and so you can make EPA and DHA from ALA. Okay. So the uh, the EPA and DHA are not considered essential because you can make it from something else. It's weird, but that's just, I didn't make the rules. That's just what it is. So the uh, uh, any questions so far on the ALA part? Um, it is essential because I have to have that in order to make my DHA and my EPA. Unless you eat EPA or unless you consume EPA and DHA directly. Which, how, how would I do that? Well, you can get that from fish oil. You can get it from supplements. You can Actually, you can get it from a lot of uh, nutritional things. In fact, grass-fed beef can be very high in omega-3s. I'm sorry, yeah, omega-3s. But now listen – you said grass-fed. Where we have to be careful is that a lot of our standard American uh, meat options are fed grains, which then gives us omega-6. Yes, exactly. And, you know, there's there's a farm that, that we get our beef from, uh, John's Farm. Uh, it's called Cattle Tracks Beef, and their stuff is just amazing. They are grass-raised, um, uh, grass-fed throughout their life. They're certified organic. Uh, number one, it tastes delicious, and number two, they have actually tested their omega-6, omega-3 ratio, and there's a grass-fed farm right down the road from where they are, and there was a fourfold difference between theirs and the one down the road, so wow. both of them were grass-fed, but, and I've got that post on my website, if you just go to the Revolution Health and Google, or not Google, search on uh, on Revolution Health, and just search for Cattle Tracks Beef, 
and it will it will break it all down and go through like the exact amounts. I, th- I think it was in the Cattle Tracks version, it had 1.8 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3. Wow. Where your traditional beef is going to be more like 20 or 40 to 1. Yeah. It's a dramatic change. So you can actually get very high levels of omega-3s in good, healthy nutrition. Generally, they're going to be animal forms, though. So your your fish oil supplements, which we'll talk uh, in another podcast about how to pick a good fish oil supplement. Um, but your, your good fish oils... Uh, are going to have good EPA and DHA levels. Every now and then we get one that's supplemented, and usually they're doing that because they're trying to save money, uh, that will be supplemented with ALA. So if you see that, it's probably because they're trying to save money, which is always worrisome for you know any number of other reasons. So then we have the next in the chain is the eicosapentaenoic acid, or EPA. EPA is an omega-3 uh, fatty acid, and it's the 20-carbon version Uh, similar to ALA, 18 carbon, this one's 20 carbons long and is an omega-3 fatty acid. And so your body has to add two carbons through a a process, biochemical process, where it can convert ALA into EPA. Uh, And that's one of the ones that we need. And then the other one that we need is the 22 carbon version, which is docosahexanoic acid or DHA. So you got EPA and DHA, and those are the two fatty acids that you want. Uh, that are good for your body, that are good for inflammation, help balance a lot of things, good for brain development, good for cardiovascular health, good for lipid profiles, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, they, they help with a ton of stuff. Uh, so I often recommend that patients take DHA, and I generally recommend that they take a fish oil because of what we're getting into here. So the why does it matter one versus the other and why is uh, alpha lipoic or alpha linolenic acid uh, in my mind a a bad thing well there is a a pathway in the human body called the arachidonic acid pathway and basically we'll take these chemical precursors like epa dha uh, arachidonic acid that's actually an omega-6 fatty acid and when arachidonic acid goes through this pathway, and there's a number of enzymes uh, that, uh, that, are, that are present, and when this fatty acid goes through this, when the body calls on this system, you will produce a series of chemicals called prostaglandins and thromboxanes. Thromboxanes, for example, make your platelets sticky and aggregate and things like that. The prostaglandins are responsible for a number of uh, processes, including inflammation, vasodilation, uh, uh, increasing blood flow in certain areas, uh, smooth muscle relaxation or contraction, depending on what's going on. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole host of things that the prostaglandins do, some beneficial and some uh, are, well, I would argue they're, they're all at the right time beneficial, but unchecked. And when there's an imbalance, then you can have a real problem uh, and uh, an increase in chronic inflammation, which is definitely a bad thing. So the arachidonic acid pathway, you got omega-6s that go through this. But the interesting thing is the omega-3s also go through this same pathway. The, the thing about the omega-3s is as they go through this pathway, the chemicals that they produce are slightly different. And they will, like instead of making thromboxane A2, which is what arachidonic acid makes, they'll make thromboxane A3, which is less platelet sticky. The prostaglandins are less inflammatory. inflammatory yeah. And so when you the, – the problem with this system is – it's not really a problem with the system, but when you have this 
unchecked, imbalanced, excessive intake of omega-6s, as is common in the standard American diet, and you don't get enough omega-3s, then you have a problem where inflammation is out of balance and you've got way too much inflammation on a chronic basis and omega-3s can help balance that. And of course, inflammation is key to a lot of detrimental processes, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. I mean, it, it's, it plays a role in a lot of things. And so we really want good balance with this. So too much omega-6 is bad. Omega-3s, good. And, you know, multiple studies show improvement in a number of outcomes when we have good omega-3 uh, levels. Uh, and, you know, CRP will come down, uh, triglycerides will often come down, a lot of, lot of factors. Uh, that, that's a good thing, and you want omega-3s. So now we have a little better understanding, I, I think, about the omega-3s, the 18-carbon form, or ALA, the 20-carbon form, or EPA, and the 22-carbon form, the DHA. So some people, you know, some of our patients will come in and they'll be on a, a um, uh, I keep wanting to say fish oil, a flaxseed oil supplement thinking that they're doing a good thing. The problem is, number one, the ALA, as I alluded to earlier, has to be converted. It's not really beneficial in the form in which it's ingested. So that, that's the first piece. And that conversion process is horrifically inefficient. And on average, it's only about 5% of that that gets converted over into EPA and DHA. So it's just a really inefficient process. But what I read uh, not too long ago from Dr. Mark Houston, he's a uh, functional medicine um, uh, cardiologist out of Nashville. He runs the, the Hypertension Institute at St. Thomas and Vanderbilt. Uh, just an amazing integrative functional medicine physician working to prevent cardiology, which I think you know, most of, of course, I, we have, you know, our, our Tulsa clinic is a functional medicine clinic, and all of our patients are looking for a functional medicine approach to cardiovascular disease. And so this, I think, is an important part of that, uh, you know, that overall comprehensive approach uh, that, that you'll see in functional medicine and why so many traditional physicians aren't really pushing this, even though they will recommend it, they, they know there's enough data out there, it's a good idea. Uh, so they'll push this, but you know I think there's a difference from uh, you know one uh, you know traditional medicine and a functional medicine practitioner in in how much they recommend omega threes. Just my my thought. But so what Dr. Houston said was that these the uh, the ALA will as it's going through this conversion process, many of those precursors will actually go through the omega-6 pathway instead of the omega-3 pathway. And now the whole reason for taking omega-3s is trying to balance this system, or at least one of the reasons, is trying to balance this system and reduce inflammation. And in the case of ALA, many times it will go through the omega-6 pathway and circumvent the whole reason you're taking it to begin with. And again, I've got patients that are on it and they have good EPA and DHA levels, which we measure directly in our clinic. Uh, but the, I, I really strongly encourage anyone that if you are wanting to take an omega-3, I would recommend avoiding the, uh, the flaxseed, excuse me, the flaxseed oil, and I would lean more toward EPA and DHA. I think that's a, a great way to Well, your, your conversion is going to be much higher. Of course. And, you know, dollar for dollar, unfortunately, many patients are are, um, well, I don't want to say unfortunately, but 
the if money were no object, I think that more people would probably take a really high quality, good omega three. Oh, absolutely. Cost absolutely uh, plays a role. There's no question. And so some people will want to save money and will take a flaxseed oil instead. But ultimately, if you're just talking about taking one that pill versus this pill, then yeah, that's cheaper. But why are you taking that pill? You're taking it to reduce your risk, to improve your lipid profile, to improve your infl- inflammation. And I would argue that the flaxseed oil, you're almost flushing your money away. So instead of saving a couple of dollars, you're actually wasting a couple of dollars because you're not getting the benefit of why you're taking it to begin with in, in many cases, not everyone, but in many cases. So again, I recommend this is one that quality absolutely matters. I recommend a good high quality omega three. You're looking at anywhere between two and four grams per day of EPA and DHA. That doesn't mean go to the store and grab it where it says fish oil, you know, one gram or 1,000 milligrams, and you take three or four of those, most of the time, that's not the case. It doesn't, what you're looking for is three to four grams, two to, or two to four grams of EPA and DHA, and you have to really look at that label to determine if that's what it has. If you can't take fish oil, you're worried about mercury or PCBs, which a good quality fish oil isn't going to have those anyway, um, you know, look for the IFOS, I-F-O-S, certification for a fish oil. The one that we have in our clinic is IFOS uh, recommended or I don't know if certified is the word, but um, you know, it's got that, uh, that high quality IFOS approval. Um, But if you're, for whatever reason you can't, don't want to, you get the burpee taste, whatever, and you can't do the fish oil, you would, you, my next recommendation would be a krill oil, uh, which is the largest biomass on the planet. Very sustainable, those kinds of things. And, um, you're going to get good EPA and DHA in there. And then if you can't do that, then my next recommendation is DHA from algae. So it's an algae form. So it's a kind of a sort of a plant form instead of a, a fish oil. So if you're allergic or something like that, that would be the route. So possibly for say a vegetarian. Yes. That would be yep. the option versus the flaxseed oil. Exactly. Okay. That DHA from algae would be my recommendation for someone that does not want an animal source. Okay. So, any questions on that? Does that make more sense? Um, yeah, my head's kind of spinning, but from what <laughs> I've gathered, I want more omega-3s. I want a great source for that. I want EPA and DHA. Exactly. Um, my conversion rate for ALA is going to be really low. And I want more omega-3s and omega-6s. You got it. Okay. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys soon in the clinic. Don't forget to listen to our other podcasts. Go on to iTunes and like the Against the Grain podcast. Uh, don't hesitate to send us feedback, recommendations, or uh, questions or suggestions, and we look forward to hearing from you.